Welcome to Gardens and Plants, a podcast about plants and gardening in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I'm Peggy Riccio, a horticulturist in Northern Virginia. My website, pegplant.com, is an online resource for gardeners in the D.C. metro area. I publish a free monthly gardening newsletter called Peg Plants Post. And my name is Terry Spate, owner of cottageinthecourt.com, a website and blog where I share all things beautiful in the garden. From the places I visit, highlighting my favorite plants, books I'm reading, and so much more. And I live in Central Maryland. So Terry, what's going on in your garden? Well, Peggy, <laughs> everything is still blooming, but that storm last night really put a hankering on things. Um, my hydrangeas were kind of floppy. I had to stake them up. Uh, a big branch fell into a couple of them. Um, but the lilies are still in bloom. I love my lilies. I've got quite a collection of Oriental lilies, especially Scheherazade and Casablanca. And they bloom profusely with little to no care. Lilies like a little drier soil. And since I don't use any type of supplemental watering, they have been just blooming their heads off this week. All of my veggies are still standing upright in spite of the storm, but they are loaded with flowers ready to produce fruit as long as the temperatures stay at a moderate level. Because you know, tomatoes and peppers, when it gets too hot, they kind of pause. They don't want to work that hard which is understandable. And my last thing that I really want to bring to people's attention, a lot of people do not like butterfly bushes, but let me tell you, Royal Red is one of the cultivars that brings a ridiculous amount of butterflies. And my Royal Red, I found it last year at a roadside stand. It is blooming its head off and oh, the butterflies, the butterflies, the butterflies. So my garden is alive as usual. That garden party is ever continual. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen in two weeks. But what's going on in your garden? Well, we got the storm too. And mine didn't seem to come back to life after that rain, which is good. We really needed it. Um, but we didn't have any damage. So that's good too. Um, well, as you know, I have a lot of edibles. So my potatoes are blooming, which means I can harvest the tubers as new potatoes or just leave the plants alone and harvest the potatoes later on. Mm -hmm. um, basil is really taking off and I have lots of different kinds. So I'm experimenting with them. I made lime basil cookies and then I picked the Thai basil and made a Thai basil syrup and then added it to lime aid and it's really good. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really good. I can see how you could do cocktails with that one. Um, let's see, I got a lot of peppers, but I wait till they're red. I'm still harvesting the cilantro, which I put in fried rice and quesadillas. Mm -hmm. And I'm just now planting um, the summer squash to avoid the squash vine borer. Mm -hmm. And lots of things blooming, of course, the borage, zinnias, rebecca, yarrow, hydrangeas. And I have uh, like two lilies. <laughs> I'm not much of a lily person, but I had these two lilies from a friend 
And so um, as they were opening up, I just cut the anthers off so I wouldn't get any pollen because they're kind of messy and brought mm -hmm. it in. And it's really fragrant. I mean, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that it was like from the pollen or the anthers, but mm -hmm. without any pollen or anthers, it's so fragrant. It must be in the petals, but it tastes, it smelled like cinnamon. It was so sweet. Mm. Um, let's see what else. Um, so, uh, the Kalenja, of course, doesn't like this hot weather. So the Kalenja said goodbye, but I'm harvesting the seed. And mm -hmm. then I sowed the seeds of the edible marigold, um, the Signet series. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. You're going to love those marigolds and salads. Yeah. I am very interested in edible flowers and planting things that you can put in cakes or for decoration or flavoring or salads. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm pretty lucky that I don't seem to have any bugs or diseases or anything. I mean, I know it's kind of early, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm very lucky. <laughs> now, you were saying that um, you were planting your squash a little later. Squash and the, and the squash vine borer. Tell me that. Tell me a little bit more about that. So usually people start their summer squash in May, you know, after the last frost. and But that's when the squash vine borer... Um, start to lay the eggs into the base of the squash plants and then it becomes like a grub and then it starts eating the insides and then the whole plant just collapsed like it hadn't watered it it just mm -hmm. collapsed and dies mm -hmm. and then and this has happened to me year after year after year but I have learned that if you do it later in the season then they're no longer laying their eggs so you kind of miss that point so this mm -hmm. is an experiment I'm going to try this yeah so you think later in the season, will you harvest as much squash? Oh, I don't think I'm going to get more squash. I'm just going to get squash because before the whole plant would collapse before I even got the fruit, you know, by this time it would have just collapsed. But now okay. I just put the seeds in and they're just now coming up with this rain. So I'm going to get the plants and hopefully get the fruit because there's still time before our frost in October. Okay, okay, good smart move. My uh, squash plant has two blooms, so I'm excited because, um, you know, Jeffrey's been a little busy back there. I noticed a few things that don't have lower leaves any longer, like my bean plants, but I put a cage around those. Everything that I put a cage around uh, has spared me from at least the four-legged pest. I've not noticed any bugs yet, so but I'm gonna keep an eye out, and particularly on my squash. Um, hopefully, the borer. Hopefully, this will be a scientific discovery. How's that? <laughs> well, it's true. It's all it's all experimenting. Like for example, this is the first time that I planted my cucumbers late, and I mm -hmm. learned that it's actually better to plant them late so you don't have the cucumber beetle, and I didn't know that. So. And I don't have any bugs for some reason. But I just want the listeners to know that um, they need to learn to know the good bugs from the bad bugs before they destroy them. Because there are some good bugs, you know, like the ladybugs, mm -hmm. and to know the various stages. And a favorite book on this is Jessica Walliser's Good Bug, Bad Bug. Do you have that one? I don't have it yet. It's on my list of must-haves, though. Jessica is an expert on bugs. <laughs> right. And this is a really good book to get. It's sort of like a flip book with a spiral bound. And she shows you the pictures of the good bugs and the bad bugs and then all their stages so you can recognize them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but people here in this area can always contact their extension agents or their master gardeners. Mm-hmm. And Maryland has a good website called Home and Garden Information Center. Yes, we and do. Then, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but Virginia also has their extension agents, but it's it's just, it's another part of things, it's another thing you have to learn about gardening is the bugs, which mm-hmm. I mean, to me it's interesting, but you have to learn about the bugs. Well, this is a good time to honestly say maybe I was ahead of the curve this year because I definitely planted all of my vegetables later because the weather was so weird. Remember spring? It was just kind of different. Yeah, it was it was longer and that's why I left my peas going and that's why I didn't plant the cucumbers because the peas are where the cucumbers were. So mm-hmm. now maybe it's going to be better for me for the cucumbers. Yeah, well, this week we're scientists and that's a good thing. <laughs> So have so you we're been also anywhere? traveling gardeners, aren't we? <laughs> Where have you been lately? Well, actually, um, I went up and visited uh, Little Washington, Virginia. And let me tell you, Peggy, you must go see the vegetable garden there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Everything looks so perfect. And it would make me feel good to eat something from that vegetable garden at the end on a good day, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's perfect. Designed right. I'm going to write about it on my blog, Cottage in the Court, but it's totally designed right. They've got irrigation, but I didn't notice any bug damage. And I'm pretty sure they're not using chemicals, but I'm going to find out because unblemished basil leaves, unblemished lettuce leaves, lettuce growing in zone seven this time of year and it looked healthy yeah in bold on sun so oh yeah absolutely beautiful so i went down there and then of course you know along the way there are tons of gardens that are familiar to me and if you just walk through the town and you'll see the hydrangeas and the trees and it's the perfect day trip absolutely you can get up and back in an hour in a in a day and you can visit some wineries along the way. So I urge everyone, you know, definitely practicing safe distancing, wearing your mask, but we need to support our local businesses because they're there and they're waiting for us. Where have you been, Peggy? Well, I went to a place called Blooming Hill Lavender Farm, which is out in Percival, which is in Loudoun County, like going past Leesburg. Mm-hmm. And, um, Cindy Reinick and her husband, Peter, they own this business. It's a track of land that's out in the country. It's very beautiful. And she grows lavender. She has about a hundred different species of lavender and about a thousand plants. And I went on Friday and she had pick your own lavender. So in in normal times, of course, she has teas and she has um, workshops and she has lectures and, and an annual lavender festival and all kinds of things. But this weekend when I went, it was Pick Your Own Lavender, and she has a very nice gift shop, of course, the kind where you just want to buy everything, <laughs> and she sells lavender. And so I bought, <laughs> I, I didn't buy everything in the gift shop, but I did buy lavender. You so supported is, local. Um, yeah, and she um, she's a member of the Potomac Union of the Herb Society of America, so that's mm-hmm. how I know her. And she also... Um, when I went there, she was selling a pre-packaged bag of scones and shortbread made with lavender. And she was selling lavender ice cream and lavender tea. 
and um, it was lavender ice cream. It's very good. It was oh, really yes. good. Yeah, I, I bought um, lavender plants that are suited for culinary use because there's some that are really beautiful and you can use the flowers for um, decoration or for a bath and beauty, but there's some that are better for culinary use. So I bought mm -hmm. Imperial Gem, Melissa, and New Zealand Blue. And these are small plants. She had them in different sizes. So these are small plants that I'm just going to grow in a pot this summer and then I'll plant them in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, so currently she's open on Friday and Saturday. And her website is bloominghillba.com. So that was a really, I mean, I really highly recommend that because not only are you going out to a beautiful place with lavender, but it's really, you go out into the country and it's just, you just get away, you know, it's very relaxing. You can mm -hmm. sit in chairs, you know, and have your lavender ice cream. Mm -hmm. That was great. Mm -hmm. Well, she's there for us and that's a good thing and i'm gonna assume that the lavenders that she sells are appropriate for our zone oh yeah and she has and that's the thing is that so she has them all set up that you could pick your own but it's also demonstration so she has signs and you can see this is how well melissa is growing this is how well imperial gem is growing in fact i found one called elizabeth so i took a picture of that for my daughter so you can oh. see how well they're growing. And she's been doing this for years. So of course she can give you all kinds of suggestions for um, lavender to grow. And lavender does grow in this area. It's actually well suited for the area. The only problem is that we have clay in our soil. So you have to amend the soil so you have more mm -hmm. drainage. Now, when I was a Virginia master gardener, um, the rule of thumb was to plant high. So, I mean, not like high up outside the ground, but instead of planting things level with the ground, raise them a little right. bit. And that would help the drainage as well. Right, well, that's why I came home and just had to create a whole new garden bed. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you do when you're working from home? So that's I created right. this whole new garden bed and in the fall, I'll plant them there. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, is that garden bed that you're creating what are, what's the soil going to be like? What is it, uh, the conditions? Is it going to be more of a xeric garden for plants oh, that no. don't require water and well drainage? How's, how are you going to plan that? Well, it is in the back. And so it will, so I'm not likely to water it as often and it's full sun and uh, it is clay. So I do have to amend it. So in the fall, I'm going to amend it with organic matter for the lavender. But um, right now I'm just killing the grass and starting the bed and then mm -hmm. The other thing is um, that particular area, uh, lots of people have to remember how far does your hose go. So the hose doesn't go that far out. Of course, when I plant them, I have to water them to get them established, but the hose doesn't go that far out. But that's okay, because when lavender is established, it doesn't need that much water. Exactly. My lavender is right on the, the curb in the front of my garden. And Peggy, I kid you not, I am August 9th will begin my 16th year of not using my hose. I really mean it. Wow, I, that's a long time. Yeah, I've been in my house for 16 years and I collect milk jugs and juice jugs. Um, the cuter, the better, of course. Um, but I save my water when I'm steaming my vegetables, like I steamed some asparagus the other day. I save that water, water from corn that I steam, and I let it cool. I put it in these jugs overnight. My water from the shower, I, I usually have a bucket in the shower because otherwise that water is just going down the drain. Right. So I save my water. 
And I use that to water my plants. Even when I buy a new plant, I'm sure there's probably somebody with a camera saying, I bet Nell she'll do the hose. No, I, I don't. I have my jugs and I have enough of them concealed, mind you, but I have my jugs. And when I install a new plant, I make sure that that ground is saturated. I put the plant in. Usually the plant has been hydrated. Once I put it in place, I water it. I let it go for seven days. I call that training my plants. I train them to understand that you got to be a big girl now. You got to grow on your own because I love you. That's why I invited you here. Play nice and may the force be with you. And I lose very few plants. I do. I lose very few plants. Um, you just, I, I believe just in having faith in the garden. You know, if you really care about something and really want something there, think about the conditions it needs to thrive and treat it nicely, train it to be like the other plants in your landscape. And my landscape is quite voluptuous right now. Probably need to thin some stuff out, but right now is not the time. I'll wait until fall, like you said. Right. And I'll make a list and share some. <laughs> right, right. Well, speaking of voluptuous, I went to a place that is a voluptuous garden quite by accident. So oh. I went to the <laughs> I went to the National Colonial Farm, which is part of the Aquakeep Foundation at Piscataway Park. Mm -hmm. And this land, it's opposite Mount Vernon on the Maryland side of the Potomac River. Mm -hmm. And it's a land trust that was established to protect the view from Mount Vernon. It's part of the National Park System. So they, um, of course, because of COVID-19, they had to shut down so they couldn't have um, people working there. The visitor centers closed. But mm -hmm. I went to um, the garden. They have an example of a colonial house and garden. And it's like a one-room shack kind of house and then a fenced-in garden. And because people have not been able to take care of it, when you walk in, it's just so overgrown. It's so it's so unusual to see something that is so overgrown mm -hmm. that I liked it. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> and of course, lots and lots of bugs. My kids would have a fit. They'd be running out of there in a minute. But <laughs> lots and lots of bugs. <laughs> but it was... It was really interesting because they had teasel, and of course they have they have colonial plants and colonial vegetables and things like that. It was supposed to be a to show you what the colonial people grew, but they had eight feet tall teasel, six feet tall pokeweed, many mm. wildflowers like the bachelor's button, and then catmint that was so tall it was like four feet tall and flowering. Mm. And butterflies were all over. Lots of butterflies and Japanese beetle. And I was the only person there. And the public can go walk around. There's lots of places where you can walk around, but there's no bathroom or visitor center you can go into. And mm -hmm. it was just a rare opportunity to see how things had just so overgrown and flowered and set seed. Like there was a kale-type plant that was just a fountain of seed heads. There was mm -hmm. wild dill. There was Swiss chard, monarda, all these kinds of things. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. But now see... And that's that's a demonstration on no one is taking care of it and the garden's still thriving. Well, yeah, it's thriving and it's wild. And of course there's lots of insects, but I mean, that's life. I mean, that, and it actually would have been cool to bring school kids to show them, you know, look at all these different things going on here. It would have been a great like science class or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good a good homeschool activity. Right. Right. Yeah. So if anybody wants to go see that, that's AcoKeepFoundation.org. And the really interesting thing is that right next to the log cabin home was this huge, large fig tree with little figs on it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was like a wild secret garden that time had forgotten. It was really cool. So I took Mm -hmm. a video of it, and I'm going to post a video of that, and I'm going to post a video of the Blooming Hill Lavender Farm on my website Mm -hmm. um, Was after this. Uh, So that was just... And there are a lot of farm animals there. If you have kids, you can take your kids to come around and look at the farm animals, but I didn't go look at the animals. Mm-hmm. Do you know what their hours are, Peggy? Um, well, I went on a Saturday, so I'm assuming it's a, you know, from dawn to dusk kind of a thing. Okay, okay. And Blooming Hill um, Farm, or Blooming Hill uh, Lavender Farm, uh, was that the only weekend you could pick your own lavender? Oh, no, you can still pick your own lavender. So she's only open on a Friday and a, Friday and a Saturday right now. Okay. Um, and, you know, people have to wear their mask, you know, social distancing, all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's two activities for people to do. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be this weekend, but although it was, what, 40% chance of rain yesterday and we got a, a gusher. So yeah, might want to put that on your list of places to go. What else is happening online, Peg? Do you know? Well, actually, um, this coming Thursday, Ledoux Gardens and Ledoux Topiary Gardens in Maryland, they plan to open up their butterfly house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one that's at Brookside is not going to open this summer. So if you have kids, then take your kids to Ledoux and go to the butterfly house. Mm-hmm. And then um, also on Thursday is the Smithsonian Gardens are now doing online um, virtual events. They used to have people, they had people in person at the Smithsonian to give talks at noon during lunchtime. And now they're mm-hmm. doing it virtual. So this coming Thursday, it's Monarch Way Stations. Mm-hmm. And that's um, just look for Smithsonian Gardens on the internet. And then on Friday is a virtual floral design workshop at Hillwood. Mm-hmm. And then also on Friday is there's this online store called The Sill that sells houseplants. It's very popular. And they're going to have Fiddly Fig 101 online workshop but the interesting thing about the sill is that in the month of july they have lots of different houseplant type online workshops and it's ten dollars but they're going to weigh the ten dollar fee if the attendee can show proof that they donated the equivalent or more to an anti-racism organization which is really interesting i love it when you know yeah when a horticultural organization or a business can get involved in what's going on you know and try to make a difference i think that's so cool because they really do have that ability they have a very strong following so go to the sill.com for that and then there's an in-person thing now so the london town and gardens in maryland they're starting to do an in-person mini herb garden workshop on saturday which is interesting Yeah, get, get money, tickets for that virtual yeah what? does it require tickets oh yeah it's a fee must register but so most things are virtual but they're they're open to the public and they're doing that one in person hmm well speaking of in-person events in case you really want to do a road trip um phs philadelphia horticultural society they have a pop-up garden at the south street open they're going to open it up this weekend, and they're going to have seasonal flowers and foliage. Um, they have food and drinks there, uh, even cocktails. 
a watermelon is one of their specialty cocktails, watermelon and ginger, watermelon and ginger and lime, called the Gritty Granita. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're, they're taking things to a whole different level, um, but they have it socially distanced appropriately. So they don't want you to be scared to come up and attend their events. So think about the PHS uh, becoming a member think about attending some of their pop-up events. And they also still have their online program as well, uh, where every Wednesday or Thursday they offer different things. Some of those are free, some of those are not free. But if you go online to phs.org, you can get more information there. That's a good place to join. And since it's for, you know, if things are virtual, you know, you can do it any, it doesn't matter. You can learn from them, just like you can learn from somebody in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And hopefully go to the Philadelphia Flower Show next year. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, PHS, I have to say, they are committed to community. And so they do a lot of things with community. They've gotten a lot of uh, community gardens started. They teach the community garden leaders. They connect the gardeners to resources. They partner with some of the community-based gardens. PHS is an entity that really talks the talk and walks the walk. So I'm eternally proud to be a member and glad that they are in region two of Garden Calm. <laughs> Just happens to be my region. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, Peggy, we've got more ground to cover. And uh, you want to tell everybody how often they're going to hear from us now? I'm sure they'd love yes. to know. <laughs> Yeah, well, starting today, we're going to start broadcasting every week because, of course, you know, there's so much going on in the garden and so many things to see. So tune in and listen to us next week. And um, as professional garden communicators, we're excited about sharing what is happening in the D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia and Maryland, maybe even now Pennsylvania. I was going to say, and beyond. And beyond. (laughs) So visit our websites for more detailed information at pegplant.com and cottageinthecourt.com. We're also very active on social media. You can find me at Pegplant and Terry at Cottage in the Court. Both of us have links to this episode on our websites. Our podcast is available on nine platforms, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast, and Stitcher. We also have an email box at gardensinplantspodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye for now, and everybody, let's just get in the garden. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.